This is we've done this before. Jamie's back, back again. Tell a Jamie's friend. back. Tell a friend. Jamie's back. Jamie's back. Jamie's back. Jamie's back. I didn't want to interrupt you just to see how low you would go. Hello <laughs> and welcome to Red Raccoon Radio, your source for tabletop gaming news in Bloomingdale, Illinois, and beyond. We're your host, John Parrott and Jamie. And uh, uh, there is a reason why I sang bass in, in high school. Yeah, it shows right through. Um, so yeah, so welcome to the show. We're definitely happy to have Jamie here because Jamie has been on a whirlwind adventure this week. Reno, Nevada! That's going to be one that I have to edit the volume down on. But before we get to like how your last week well, actually, you know what? Our first question is always, how was the story last week? And honestly, you would have no idea. I got no clue. But what we do know is about... The games that you yeah. got to see at your... Well, we did have an interesting thing happen at the store this week. Can Fill I talk about an interesting thing? That would be an excellent introduction. First time ever reported of the fact uh, we purchased stolen goods. <gasps> How's that for a headline? Dun, dun, dun. I'm putting that as the title of this post. Yeah. Um, no, so while I'm gone, of course, uh, all this stuff is, is coming out, a... a so we had a situation, we, we buy and sell Pokemon and Magic cards all the time. Everybody knows that. We, we've bought a ton of it. We're very careful. We try to pay attention to the situations. Anytime we've had questions, we try to reach out to all the stores around us like, hey, does anything happen to you? Because this guy seems a little shady. Um, and, you know, we've, we've caught people before that were trying to sell us stolen cards that we knew because they'd been reported, and then the cops got involved, of course, and caught, caught the bad guys. In this particular instance, we had a police officer show up at the store to say, have you purchased any cards from this person? And we're like, we go through and we looked at our records because we've got a record of all this. Everybody we bought from, we're like, yeah, we did back around this day. They're like, yeah, that's a, that's the right person. And I remember this one because um, you know, a person comes into the store and they've got a, a fairly large mixed collection of Magic and Pokemon. And it mm-hmm. took us a few days to go through it because it was pretty good size. And when we called, we make them an offer. We say, hey, this is you know, roughly $2,600 is what we can offer. It's a lot of cards and some good stuff in there, too. And um, so we call, and you know, a, 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 a guy had brought them in. When we call, it's a woman that answers the phone, and she's like, okay, well, those are my cards. I'll come pick up the check. And then... Three minutes later, we get a separate phone call like, no, don't give her the check. I'm coming to pick it up from the guy. Suspicious. And we're just kind of like, uh, Very what's suspicious. going on here? So we start putting a bunch of stuff in place that we do. And it, and it's uh, stuff that we have we do normally for high-volume um, transactions anyway. We have a document that you have to sign, name, address, phone number. We get a photocopy of the person's driver's license. We do everything. I called the Bloomington Police Department and the normal police department to say, has there been anything reported? No, nothing's been reported. You did your due diligence. I I tried to do everything I could, and the guy comes in, has no problem with the fact that I'm making him sign extra paperwork that says, yes, this is my cards, I own it free and clear, nobody else can make a claim on them, and he gives us a copy of his driver's license. And I'm like, maybe I was just being paranoid. 
So that all happened in January. Fast forward to now, to this week while I'm gone, and the police are like, it turns out that the guy that had his card stolen is currently incarcerated. And he didn't know that his ex had sold off all his stuff until she told him in a letter that she sent to jail. So basically she admitted she sold all his stuff. He pressed charges. And now the whole thing is coming apart at the seams. And we were like, oh, God, what did we get ourselves into? But when we showed the police, here's all the steps that we did, they were like, yep, nothing else you could have done. And so they were cool with the fact, because a lot of the cards already sold because it's been since January. As I said, you said they were good cards. I'm sure they've already been distributed and set up for pricing. And yeah. yeah. And we said, do you want what's left back? And they're like, nope. You know, we just need documentation. I had to, he, the guy signed the check that I gave him, right? And he, they wanted the signed, canceled check from the bank and all that stuff. We gave him the driver's license and everything we had. And man, though, I think everybody's uh, heart rate went up a little bit. Right. Know? Because it's, it is a risk of running a game store, buying counterfeit stuff. We're really diligent about that. Or of buying stolen goods. And we try to be super, <clears throat> super cognizant of who, what, where. And if somebody comes in and they're kind of shady, we're trying to pay attention to it. Exactly. And you've been never afraid to tell someone, no, we're just not going to provide the service for you if you have suspicions. 100%. Right. We've done that before, too. We this is, God, this is probably like six years ago. And a guy kept coming in selling all the rare cards that had come out of the most recent commander decks and he would come in he'd bring a couple of them in and this had been a guy that had bought tons and tons of stuff from me for the first three years that we'd had the store so i knew him by name i knew he had lost his job and then he kept coming in trying to sell the same rares out of commander decks over and over and over again and I called all the big box stores around us to say, hey, have, have you lost anything? Is something going on? Because I wanted to make sure, you know, there wasn't a shoplifting thing. If you go in shoplifting stuff, selling it to me, none of the big box stores would talk to me. They were mm-hmm. like, yeah, piss off. We don't want to talk to you at all. So they gave me the blow off. But finally, I was so nervous about it. I'm just like, look, I'm not buying anymore because one... I don't need any more copies. You've already sold me enough. We're You've good. You've saturated the market. No yeah, way. we're good. Um, and he got super upset at me, but I was really concerned he was sell- he was stealing stuff someplace and then trying to sell it to us, and I didn't want to be part of that. So I just cut him off and wouldn't buy any more cards from us. I got uh, cursed at a few times for that one. Understandably so. So, yeah, that was, that was but at the, so all this is a brand new experience for us, so we've never had the police come in looking for, did you buy this from this person? And uh, I was sitting, I was actually in the airport um, in Dallas trying to get home, Jesse's calling me like, dude, can you talk for a minute? Yeah, what's going on? You know, this whole crazy story starts coming out and everything. So luckily we we do our due diligence and we had everything and just handed it all over to the police. You know, we don't want to be that store. We will comply with every police request for that kind of information. Of course. And I just want to say that we try and plan these episodes and we try and talk about what the the topics are going to be and how we're going to approach it every single time that we sit down to record. Uh, and still Jamie just pulls things out random because I I did not know this story. I forgot I, to tell you that one. Yeah. And I was like, wait, where are we going with this? Okay. I'm along for the ride like you are, listeners. Yeah. Um, 
But well, Jamie, there's always so much stuff that happens. It's, it is. It's a lot of it's fun and a lot of it's happy, but every, every once in a while some just weird stuff happens. In the time of this podcast, I think that if we were to create a wiki and had a number of how many times you said the store has been crazy compared to, it's been pretty nominal. I think it's only been like once where you're like, it was a normal week. Nothing really big happened. There's yeah, the rest something. of the week, though, was it was actually fairly tame. You know, no drama happened. No... Um, no reports of craziness or anything was going on. Everybody's like, yeah, it was a, you know, not a stellar week, but not a, a low week. It was just a, an average steady selling. We deliver good quality games and make people happy. And, and until that happened, everything else has just been kind of, you know, cause I always get worried when I got to go out of town. Right. So, but luckily you have good staff and, and great people working for you and and people paying attention and people paying attention and willing to work with the law when necessary. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you said that you were actually at an airport when you I got was. this call where uh, I'm going to guess that you didn't get to play many games this weekend. But I mean, this week, but you did see a lot of them, didn't I you? I did. I was at the Gamma Trade Show. So the, it's called the Gamma Expo. And Gamma is the Game Manufacturers Association of America. So this is the biggest retailer-only show for the games industry, in at least in North America. I'm sure there's probably a European version of this right. that I don't know about. Um, and so it's in, it was in, this is the last year it was in Reno. So it's Fly to Reno, which there's no good way to get to Reno. I have heard you this, you got to yeah. bounce through a couple of airports to get there. And it seems like it's a nice town. It's uh, it's up in the mountains, so it's the high desert though, and it it you can see mountains all around you, and you can see snow on top of the mountains everywhere, and yet it is still so dry. I drank so much water this week. I felt like I'm like there's like no moisture in the air. My lips started to chap. But it's a great week, because um, the publishers are all out saying. Here are all the games we're bringing out. We want you to have a sneak peek so we can start putting in special orders for those games to get ready. And this will be the games that basically get us through Gen Con at this mm -hmm. point. And then Gen Con, there will be another, uh, between Gen Cons and Origins, we'll have another massive, here's all the new games, and those will be the games that come out through Christmas time. So great buying show, great, uh, see a lot of stuff. And I always go in looking for new small publishers to look for. Right. Because who's, who's up and coming right now? Yeah. Well, because everybody knows what Asmodee is bringing out. Everybody knows what Wizards of the Coast is bringing out. You know, and those so those big publishers are have gotten really good at marketing. Here's what we're making. Here's what's coming out. It's always fun to see some early sneak peeks from them, but most of the time I know what they're up to and what they're going to do. But the small publishers that have like one or two games that are that are still being released, or or, or the, some of them haven't even come out yet because they're gonna launch on Kickstarter, um, those are my favorite finds. Those are my favorite conversations because they're super excited. They don't know what they're getting into yet. Um, they're willing to listen to the retailer side of things to say, "Hey, we kind we get what it's like on your side. Let us tell you what it's like on our side here so you can balance and make good decisions going forward." And I think that that's a super some super important conversations to have. It brings to mind if you've been able to watch it, the new movie Tetris that's on Apple Plus where uh, it's about a man who finds just this small indie game called Tetris out of, you know, Russia and then it creates this whole entire 
sequence of events that leads it to be one of Nintendo's highest selling games with their their new invention at the time. I want to see that one. It's uh, Taron Edgerton, right? Exactly. And he does a fantastic job. He's really matured out of the Kingsman role into like being an actor. I think there was a the Eagle was another one of his movies that I think he did really well in. But what I'm saying is looking for those small little gems are what can truly you can get an idea of what's going to set the world on fire. Yeah. And I'm glad that that's really the mentality that you go into because I'm sure it's easy to chase the the big boys and just make sure they're doing, you know, what you're going to need them to do next or what you really want to invest in, but actually looking for those small like I'm pretty sure that's how you got Taco Gat one of your favorite games. Taco, Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza? Yes. Okay, so they have a new version coming out. Okay, tell me about it. <laughs> so we, last year, um, because they're, the Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza, super silly, super fun, super fast playing game, and it's uh, $11, I think. It's eleven ninety nine, right? So it's easy to say, I can take a chance on this game and see if it's as crazy, silly, fun as Jamie says it is. And I will tell you that every time I teach this game to pizza, be they children or be they adults, everybody's laughing by the time they get done with it, right? So they came out with the original version, which we didn't know why it was selling. We kept restocking it, but none of it. Jesse finally was like, has anybody played this game? Does anybody know how this game works? Why does this game keep selling? And we discovered that it had gone viral on TikTok, which is why it was selling so fast. So we sat down and we decided we're all going to learn how to play this game. And then I laughed so hard my ribs hurt the next day. <laughs> it was, we were just cackling ourselves silly playing it. So then we started talking about it and showing more people, more customers it. And Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza was our number one selling game of, of holiday season 2021. Holiday season 2020, 2022, Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza was the number two selling game behind... Santa Candy Cookie Elf Snowman, which is the Christmas version of Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. And uh, so they were number one and two because they're so easy. They were amazing stocking stuffers, everything. And they're just, they're good, silly fun. This year they brought out um, Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza 8-Bit Edition. This game is nothing more than Slapjack which we used to play with a deck of cards when we were kids. You take a deck of cards, you deal them out, you flip one out. When a jack comes out, everybody's got to slap it. If you're the last one, you've got to take the whole pile and put it on the bottom of your um, put it on the bottom of your stack, and you want to be the first one to go out of cards. But they introduce animals and things into it where you've got to do these special moves. And the original one was if you got the gorilla, you had to beat your chest like a gorilla. If you got the groundhog, you had to n- knock on the table like you were digging, and if you got the narwhal, you had to make the narwhal horn on top of your head. And that's where everybody invariably starts laughing is with these the animal cards. The 8-bit edition introduces Hadouken from Street Fighter. Hadouken! And it is going to be all... So all the moves are related to 8-bit video games, and it is going to make people just cackle even more than they already do. It's, it's stupid, silly fun. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I just said... Just, just send it. I already ordered a bunch of it. <laughs> you, you got my money. Yeah. Now, I will say you were talking a little bit before the podcast, and actually something interesting came out of you, and that is that you wanted to go see an actual RPG. And we've talked a little bit before on the podcast how RPGs are not always the 
biggest sellers if they're not the mainstays, if they're not the Pathfinders and the the D and D. But there was right. one that actually caught your eye. You wanted to look into, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is a two part story. Yes. Part one is the game that I wanted to check out is called Everyday Heroes. And Everyday Heroes is a 5e game, but it's a modern day setting game, right? So it's it's like using 5e rules to play an RPG about just everyday life. And they actually did a demo uh, in uh, on the show floor. And during the demo, you could like one person was like a lawyer and one person was an accountant and stuff like that. And then you throw them in situations like what would a lawyer know how to do? What would an accountant know how to do? So it's kind of... That, that part's kind of cool, and I was intrigued, but then they came out that they signed a bunch of, of 90s action movies as uh, licenses, yep. and so all of those are source modules, so you buy the core 5e Everyday Heroes rulebook, and then the source modules are for The Crow, Total Recall, Universal Soldiers, uh, Escape, from, Escape New York, from New York, Highlander, Kong, Skull Island, Pacific Rim, and Rambo. I know, right? Like, so you can play these '90s action movies as as and and you're in the you're playing all these crazy movies that were because the '90s action movies were so oh. ridiculous. They were yeah. so over the top, and um and sometimes the acting was just so bad, right? I mean, early Sylvester Stallone, and you got Jean Claude Van Damme, and. And, uh, you know, Escape from New York is so, is that, that's Kurt Russell. Russell. He's just over the top, a snake in that one. I mean, uh, the only way they could have made me more happy is if they had licensed Big Trouble in Little China. Give them time. <laughs> Give I know, them time. Right? So I was, I wanted to go to this session to find out, like, how is this all going to play out? Like, how do you do the crow, right? How, how do you do the crow as a role-playing game? And then it really got me thinking, um, you know, because of course the crow has all its own infamous story behind the filming of the movie. Anyway, mm-hmm. how do you pull that off? And so I wanted to check this one out, and that's that's part one of like first that this games exist. And I do want to say, just on my own personal opinion, sometimes I feel like whenever you go for movies, you're really limiting yourself in what you can produce. Like whenever we see the board games of Firefly, Firefly was only one season, and they don't really want to build on that universe. They're trying to keep everything just what you saw in the show so that it's familiar so things like rambo or you know escape from new york i feel like are very kind of almost limited environments because really rambo is just you're a military guy and kind of escape from new york is i could see a little bit more flexibility that's a weird and wild place but is it just going to make you play one guy that's flown in on the island or Or are you playing this are you playing the star exactly are we just replaying the movie or is it because really in D&D, you never play as Dritt Stewart or Brunar or Regis or Wolfgar or Caterbree. You never play as them. You exactly. play, maybe you run into them. And is that the same setting? And I, I don't know because I didn't get a good answer. Oh, interesting. So Escape from L.A., I think, had a little bit more vibrancy. But, like, thinking about building a Highlander universe, like, they did an amazing TV show where they really expanded out a lot of that lore. Pacific Rim. You can always come up with new monsters and new robots and stuff like that. So I do like seeing what they're doing here and yeah. really finding a system to do that. And Universal I, Soldier, are you the good guys or the bad guys? Exactly. What or are, do you get to be a soldier? Questions that come up. And the Crow, I think, has a lot of mystical connections that you can play with. Right. But here's the thing. You don't know because <laughs> you went to go see this and something happened. Because So it said Evil Genius Games Presentation. And so that's where I'm like, okay, well, they make this game system that I want to know more about, and I'm going to go watch this presentation. 
But it was, and and now this story is going to sound weird, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. I go in, and I'm sitting there, and it's like um, the presentations start on the hour every hour, and then you go sit down, and then the depending on when the previous presentation wrapped up, the room is usually empty, right? You're, they're supposed mm-hmm. to end on like 50 minutes after the hour with 10 minutes so you can go and get up and go find a different presentation because there's a ton of them going at the same time. Part of Gamma is navigating the, okay, well, these guys are only presenting once, so I have to go to this one, but those guys are going to do two of them, so I can fit this one in over there, you know, and kind of navigating this uh, a, a, a learning path, if you will. Trying to set up your college, like, class schedule. Like, where can we yeah. fit things in? Yeah, uh, exactly. So I'm sitting in this room, and they're like, I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave for now and then come back in because we need you to sign an NDA. And I'm like, I thought a lot of this information was already on the web. What am I signing an NDA for? Yeah, I'm looking at the website right now. They have people kind of playing the game, so it shouldn't be anything secret. Yeah, so I go out and I get, I'm get i in line because now I want to know what's going on. And I come back in and they're like, here's the NDA we need you to sign. And I'm like, and most people were just signing and moving on. But uh, me being paranoid, I said, can I read this? And I stepped off to the side. So... I'm not allowed to actually tell you guys what I saw. And I can say that, well, I have not been told what it's going on, but the way that Jamie has illustrated it, it's interesting news. It is a it is a choice that we'll have to see if it pans out from what you're kind of describing. Yeah, it's um, it's an all-new game system, a completely new world, and an all-new game system I just can't tell you. It is tied to an IP, and that's the part I can't tell you. And I read through this this NDA, and I'm like, okay, this is pretty iron tight, so I'm not going to violate this one everything. We're dancing around the subject just to make sure. but Yeah, but I but it, also they took away my phone, and they sealed it in like a, one of those uh, Tyvex bags. They're like, okay, well, here's your phone back in the bag. And I'm like, well, I could just open it up. They're like, everybody's going to hear you if you try to open this bag. And I'm like, ooh, that's a good point. And then we go through this hour-long presentation, and they are super stoked. Like, the Evil Genius Games folks, they're pretty new on the scene, and they signed a massive IP that is... The RPG sounds pretty interesting in in all by itself, but the IP that it's tied to is either going to be incredible or go down in flames as uh, one of the crazier experiences that's that's out there. So trying to not... Trying to keep you within the bounds. Yes. Is this an IP that we know? Brand new IP. Okay. Which is always risky. But the director is known, uh, I won't say his name, but the director is known for his work. Uh, he's created some unique IPs before, but he's also played in other people's IP playgrounds and made some pretty famous and controversial movies at the same time. Movies? Movies. Interesting. Why don't we leave it at that before yeah. we accidentally stumble into when, some problems? When I'm allowed to talk about it, we're going to talk about it. Because I, what I, because part of it is they showed us movie that we saw six minutes of of the movie that's coming out, and the world building that they're working on from day one is already pretty crazy. You know, I can I can say that the RPG book, the source, they're using the RPG book as the world bible. So any 
adaptations, be they TV shows or comics or or um, or novelizations and everything, have to reference the RPG world book to make sure that everything stays um, cohesive. So the fact that the RPG world book is the Bible, that is an interesting step that I've never seen before. I feel like this is the closest to a scoop that we've ever gotten on the podcast. <laughs> know, like, right? it's, it's frustrating, but also very exciting. I was sitting next exciting. to my buddy JD and I looked at him and I'm like, what did we get ourselves into, man? What are we doing here? <laughs> well, that sounds fantastic. And probably yeah. whenever it's fully announced, we might do just like a special episode where we just jump on real quick and actually talk about everything you saw. So we're a little bit more relevant. Yeah. But uh, we don't have any, any no. time frame, right? For, for now. Um, I can tell you time frame, yes. Um, okay. There are the, the full announcement of the world and the movie will be at San Diego Comic-Con. This year. So that's like um, sometime in July or mid-July, I think. Speaking of announcements, you also told me that uh, Darrington Press was there as well. Yes. And they had some things to say. Yeah, they uh, Darrington Press. So everybody probably knows that we are a Darrington Press guild store. Yep. If um, you know Critical Role, you know that. Yep. And we are, um, we are one of only two in Illinois right now. They're going to add some more, which is a little disappointing to me, but... But they said, um, they actually told us, they're like, well, we like what you've been doing so much in the way that you're representing and helping us um, that they're considering making a Darrington Press Guild Plus store, and they want to talk about us being a plus store for them. Oh, fantastic. Which is cool. Um, and they were super excited because I was talking to um, I was talking to the folks from Darrington Press, and, and it came up. So while I was at Gamma, I was asked to do a branding presentation. Um this is the second year of branding presentation that I've done because, you know, Red Raccoon has a pretty distinct brand and I was asked to do a branding presentation because we're always trying to come up with new and interesting things to do. And I said, I'm not a branding expert. Why do you want me to present, you know, present on branding? I'm just making this up as fast as I can. They're like, yeah, but you're making it up faster than the rest of us. Okay. So I just kind of did this presentation and I talked about what we do as a store Mm -hmm. and somebody asked me about t-shirts and stuff and i said well yeah we do a lot of t-shirts it was part of the presentation we talked about where to get them they're like do you have your employees wear t-shirts as a uniform and i said well yes and no they can either wear a red raccoon branded piece of clothing a t-shirt or a, a hoodie or a polo or they can wear something from critical role because we're a darrington press store and that's a great way for people to see what exists from the the uh, merch that Critical Role has put out, and a bunch of our employees are fans. Yeah. So they love the stuff. They were going to buy it anyway. I think that Ryan, especially, every time I see her, I see them, I see uh, either uh, one is a shirt, one is a hoodie, and she just flip-flops, or they just flip-flop what it is. Yeah, so. well, uh, Ryan, Kat, Katie, and yeah. Ariel all have multiple pieces of apparel that they like to swap in uh, with their Red Raccoon stuff because it's comfortable and well-made, too. Yeah. The Darrington Press folks were super like that. Somehow it got back to them. You, what you have your uh, employees like they can wear our stuff? As, I'm like, well, yeah, because we sell your stuff. It's a good advertisement for the fact that we sell your stuff. They're like, that's so cool. And then I told them that Ryan wore the sprinkle 
outfit for the groundbreaking when we did it, and they want pictures. And so I asked Ryan, I'm like, can I send them pictures? Is it, you're going to be okay with <laughs> hey, that? Hey, you know this podcast that you absolutely love to listen to and yeah. follow the narrative of? They want to see you in their perch. Is that okay, Ryan? Yeah. And then <laughs> I'm um, sure she was ecstatic. They were, they, they were. They were. They were. Uh, and uh, Travis Willingham was at this meet and greet where they were showing off their new game. So, I'll player of Grog. And, I'll be honest, and... I didn't know. I'm like, Travis Willingham doesn't mean anything to me. Who is, why are you all so excited? Like, he plays Grog. Oh, okay, now I know who we're talking about. And is the CEO of Darrington Press. And he's the CEO of Darrington Press. And ridiculously nice guy. He was just kind of, if, so I was with my two friends, two of my friends, uh, D and uh, Deanna, and they fangirled out like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> they are such massive fans of Critical Role and the fact that he was there. And then uh, Jameson's there, which is ironic since my full name's Jameson and I have a buddy named Jameson. And uh, he, so we went over to talk to him because they were, they just wanted, like, oh my God, I want a picture, but I don't want to freak out and I don't want to be. And it was, we were just looking at each other, just listening to D and Deanna just like lose their minds. It was, it was hilarious. <laughs> So not only was he super nice, and he took pictures with us all. Um, turns out I am bigger than Grog. I was going to ask, who was taller? I'm bigger than Grog. He seems like a giant on that show. He Well, comparatively, he said everybody else is like five foot six. So the fact that he's six foot four makes him look like he's so much massive than, than everybody else. He, um, Deanna's daughter was doing, she had a recital. And she was, Deanna, this is the biggest show of the year for stores, so Deanna was missing it. Her husband was at the recital with the daughter. He recorded a note just for her, her Aww. daughter. And then Dee's daughter um, is the young adults, the, the kids' dungeon master at their store. And their store is in Inverness, Canada. And so he recorded a message to just keep up the good work and keep making people happy and just create a good story. It's he all about the story. He was just making people's day. He totally was. And, and when somebody wasn't approaching him, if he got left alone for a minute, because, you know, people were, were trying to be a little respectful, and he would just go find somebody else's group and just insert himself into their conversation. <laughs> and he was, yeah, he was great. But the game they were showing off is Queen by Midnight. And it is... I don't know how it ties into the world because all because I don't watch Critical Role all the time, but it is tied into the world and it's a deck builder game. It's like a competitive deck builder game that you're you're building, and each person is playing a potential to princess who is trying to vie for the throne, and it had some really cool, um, interesting parts to it. One is the fact that the main board like all deck builders you have cards that you can buy from you the main pool this one you have cards you can buy from the main pool or you have your own private pool you can buy from so that's cool and the it has this massive clock tower that's part of the board the clock tower is a dice tower that you can roll dice through and it's also your round counter so you spin a dial and the the face of the clock moves that's a nice touch as well but also, this thing is big enough on your table, it would block view of cards. It's got a built-in Lazy Susan. So the whole that. thing rotates around. I had, We were just discussing, I'd never considered getting the Lazy Susan for my game room. Because yeah. how many times have I needed to give access to everybody to be able to see something? Or 
have to decide, you know, cards have to face one way and somebody's going to have to read upside down. Just having that ability would be amazing. A hundred percent. And I, when I'm teaching people games, I usually try to position myself so I'm the one reading upside down. It's a host thing to do, absolutely. Yeah, but it's not always convenient. It's not yes. always easy. Yes. And there is, like, you know, we were, I was saying... Um, Everybody that listens to this and hangs out sort knows I'm a huge fan of the Dominion series of games. Yep. There is a a couple of different listings on Etsy of people who have made like custom wooden lazy Susans that I've considered buying before. That it's uh, it's all like the ten cards you put out to play and the land cards and the money cards and the curse cards and everything. I'm like this really would make Dominion a lot easier. They're all like 70 bucks. I can only imagine how long it takes to route out all the various channels you would need to make right. it work right. But I've really considered getting like a nice like stained walnut one or something. I mean, if at a certain point, you love a game or you don't, right? Right. So, I, I don't know. I'm still tempted. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. Maybe one of these days. I was about to say, as a man that I know has bought 3D printed everything for Zombie Side, I'm surprised that this was a hanging point for you. You know what the coolest 3D thing that I have? is, I don't know if I've ever even showed you this, um, one of my favorite games that came out a few years ago is Burgle Brothers. Have you ever played Burgle Brothers? Yeah. Have I ever showed you? I have a 3D um, tower. Because Burgle Brothers, you have to play like you're doing a, a, a heist, and you have to travel through the three floors of the office building trying to find the safe and deactivate everything. But you're laying it out flat in a table, and it's a little harder to visualize where things are. I have a tower that is the three layers built into this tower so you can see exactly where you are where the guards are what's above you what's below you and everything as well i'll need to see this sometime yeah it's pretty cool we'll have to play with that but one of the reasons i brought up the fact it was more expensive burgo brothers is a 24 dollar game and the tower was 70 (laughs) again i know you love dominion i'm surprised this is a hanging point for you uh but I did want to bring up Darrington Press because you have something kind of interesting that was not really announced to you. It's actually what hasn't been said that was interesting. Oh, yeah. I was like, which thing? Because, there, man, there's so much things. I was. Uh, uh, so they've got another game coming out. Normally, every month, like the last day of the month, we get an email uh, that says, here are the upcoming is the upcoming merch. You can order it now that we are going to talk about. There's a segment of every episode where they talk about their merch. Every Thursday they have one or two items that they normally preview and then somebody puts on. And so normally the first of the month we get a thing that says you can pre-order this now because we're about to talk about it. Here's all the May shirts and socks and whatever. And then I usually just let Ryan go through and pick out the stuff that they think is going to be stuff that customers would be interested in. They know what's important. Yeah. Yeah, and so that's where the, we, we see the announcement, announcements of the new dice sets and sometimes like, hey, this book got reprinted. There's something coming up in May because Katie already told us you won't get the May one on time because um, there's a new announcement coming out. And I think she said it was May 9th that of something new that we are not revealing to the world yet. So something there's, if anybody who watches, listens to this is also a Critical Role fan, Something's coming up May 9th, so pay attention to that episode because we aren't going to find out until May 9th with you, then we can order it as well. It's going to be interesting. And this is, in your memory, has never happened before, correct? No, yeah. not since not since they started this uh, the, the, the Guild Partner Program, no. So this might be 
very interesting for Critical Role fans. We'll we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Yeah. Well, they announced they did their first ever. They did their first ever webcast. Um, not this last week, but the week before, where they came out, and so there is a video of Queens by Midnight out there, or Queen by Midnight out there that they talked about, and they also on that video they talked about they're building a new world book, but they didn't say what was about they just they're building a new world book for something and they talked about it but it's kind of hidden so i don't know what it is yet either and i know that they just bought another podcast that is an actual play podcast that they're kind of now sponsoring so they're making some moves that are really expanding the darrington press brand it's oh, not i didn't even know that part yeah it's not just going to be critical role anymore it sounds like they're really trying to make this not just a a critical role functionary it's going to be a company all into itself so Okay. Wait, and you brought that up with, we were talking about Travis Willingham. I didn't realize he was the president of Critical Role. I had always assumed it was Matt Mercer. President of Darrington Press. Or Darrington Press. To be clear. Darrington yes. Press, yeah. I always assumed it was Matt Mercer, but apparently he doesn't want all that stuff. He just wants to be the creative guy. Yeah. He doesn't want to deal with any of the rest of the stuff that would go along with being the president. Sounds like they all get along pretty well. They've built this thing together. It's an incredible... I, someday we will get a documentary about Critical Role that is going to be absolutely fascinating because there, there's been some drama in their history as well. Those that have listened to the series know that you know they are very different now than how they started out and the yeah. different businesses that they were connected to going through and some of the adjustments they had to make, agreements that they made along the way. So I think that's going to be... That's going to be top notch whenever that documentary Maybe comes out. Maybe it's on May 9th. Maybe that would be really cool, actually. Now that you <laughs> mention that, I have no idea what it's going to be, so we'll we'll see. So you have some other things that you saw. I think that we're going to kind of cut that off for right now. Okay. We're, we'll do a Patreon exclusive at the end of this episode. Maybe we'll we'll talk more about things that you saw, things that you found interesting, and then maybe talk a little bit about the store too for okay. our Patreon subscribers. But speaking of people that play D and D. I wanted to talk to you about a section of the store that we normally don't talk about. And what kind of spawned this off is that an article from comicbook.com, the tabletop section, announced that Dungeons & Dragons had made a partnership with Build-A-Bear. Which, as far as I know, Build-A-Bear is is like the name for stuffed animals that are IPs now. Because they're learning that, you know, IPs are learning, hey, we don't really want to produce this one item but we have somebody who's a professional that we can just share this with. And we've seen it so many times. I mean, that's Monopoly in one way or the other. Because Build-A-Bear did the Pokemon one. Build-A-Bear has done Pokemon. They've done Animal Crossing, which was very Oh, popular. I forgot about Animal Crossing. I have a Toothless up in my in our recording space right now, uh, up in the corner. So he's a Build-A-Bear? He's a Build-A-Bear. Oh, I didn't know that. So they love getting involved with this sort of thing. So I went ahead and was like, well, this is kind of interesting. I clicked on the link. And, of course, this is a podcast, so I can't share with you what this looks like. But, I mean, it's a it's an okay dragon. It's a, He's kind of cute, right? Yeah, he's got a little, on one paw, he's got the Build-A-Bear icon. On the other paw, he's got the Dungeons & Dragons icon. He's got a cute smile. Like, he, he feels very reminiscent of the uh, the Toothless that I have. Yeah. And if you're, if you're, I mean, it's a good thing, too, because, so Build-A-Bear, to me, is really going after a very young demographic, right? Yes, yes. This gets them, so there will be people who will say, I'm going to buy this for my partner uh, as an older person as well, but they're also, it's going to be exposed to a ton of kids because the the only Build-A-Bear I've ever been to is the one in Woodfield Mall in Chicagoland, right, in Schaumburg. Mm-hmm. And that is always mobbed by kids yes. every time. 
And so this is now exposing those kids. It's a much younger demographic to the Build-A-Bear brand. And Build-A-Bear is, I mean, it's an adult thing too. Like it is high quality products and there's a, they go through the process to make sure you feel like it's an experience. It's not just that you're picking out a bear. It's you're picking out the things the bear is going to wear or whatever creature it is. You're putting a heart inside of it. You know, you're watching the stuffing go in. You're, you actually get it sealed up. It is a process to get your own personal Build-A-Bear. So I love that. However, when I look at this dragon and then I think about Red Raccoon, the first thing that always pops in my mind is your squishables are better than this this dragon. Yeah, they are. So I, I was kind of curious and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the squishables that you have in the store because we, we talk about Red Raccoon being a different store. It is not just board games. It's not just card games. You really make it a place where... You know, parents as well as people that play the games want to come into. It's welcoming, it's inviting, and there's a huge section now for squishables. And I asked you, you know, how are they doing? And you told me a staggering number. Yeah. So here's this is a direction we never thought we were going to go, right? We didn't, I mean, there was, uh, I think I had brought in like um, a, a stuffed Godzilla at one point. And I think I think I brought in some like some stuff like giant eyeball. I know I did uh, oversized Godzilla feet, um, and you know. But we really it was kind of something I had just kind of chucked off to the side. When we were all sent home for COVID and we were locked down for COVID, I got an email from this company called Squishables that said, "Hey, we're building this Squishable that's coming out in July, and we think it might be a good fit for your store. Would you be interested?" And it was a plague doctor. Mm-hmm. And he was super cute, little derpy plague doctor. And his, he was holding a lantern, and the lantern was glow in the dark. And so I, you know, everybody's stuck at home. I send a message over to Jesse. I'm like, do you think our customers would be even remotely interested in this? Because he's kind of cute, but I don't want to spend a bunch of money if nobody cares. He's like, dude, I don't know. Throw it on Facebook and see what people say. So I threw it on Facebook and said, guys, this is coming out. We're in March, locked down at home. Guys, this is coming out in June or July. Is this something y'all would be interested in? It's going to be $22.99. We had 62 orders the first hour. I'm like, holy crud. And Squishables, as a company, was famous for making comfort food plush, right? Turning comfort food into plush. But I think that they learned a lesson and went, there's an untapped market here. And they have really leaned into making fantasy and mythological characters. Yes. And one is we have had and sold every dragon they've ever made. They make these amazing dragons. There's usually three sizes. There's uh there's the micros, which are like a keychain size. Mm-hmm. Then there's the minis and they're seven to ten inches long and that's the most popular one that we sell. because um, they're all like twenty two bucks. And then there's uh the regular size ones. They're forty five dollars, but they're a lot bigger. Um, and then actually there's four sizes. They make massives too. Yep. And you've seen around the store, we've had the massive banana just recently. His name was Berthold and he sold. We've had massive bumblebees. We've had the massive plague doctors as well. The massive plague doctors really got some serious badonkadonk going as well. Yeah. He did it. His, his like, his, his booty hung over the edge of the table because it wouldn't fit. Um, and we've just kind of leaned into it and, and we order squishables. We bring in the different new ones, the varieties, and it has really been fulfilling, I think, for a lot of, um, you know, it, it tends to be 
I'll just say that a, a lot of our customers that buy them are either um, high school girls mm-hmm. or they're, they're self-professed gamer girls, yeah. right? Where it's G-R-R-L-S at that point, right? And we sell a ton of them. Um, this, the number that I threw at you earlier that I think blew your mind is for last holiday season, for the last six months of last year, we sold 650 squishables. At a game store. At a like, game store. That's just it. It's not, it's not like a plushy store. It's not like a yeah. toy store. It's a game store. Yeah. And all and, and half, there's a good chunk of them that have gone to Red Raccoon staff. Right, right. right. I mean, Chance walked out with the Corgi mm-hmm. plush. Uh, and, uh, you know, Alexis has multiple of the keychain ones that are all attached to her backpack. There, I think there's probably got to be like seven or eight attached to her backpack. Uh, um, and uh, she was also instrumental of why we had to stock the strawberry cow because she wanted it. And it's just so now we just bring in plush that make us happy and we just have a rotating uh, series of them. that are in there. Jesse picked up the Highland cow for Roland because it was so cute. But even things like they made stuffed margarita glasses and yeah. stuff um, glasses of red wine, and and those did very well. They did pumpkin spice lattes, and it's cute. And yeah, I, can, I will tell you that I I've talked to people between this and Squish Mallows, which are more of the mallow mallow sorry mallows, which are more of the pillow shaped and. They're more like that that velveteen kind yeah. of feel to them, where you could really snug on them and like sleep on it like a pillow. Yeah. And I've told people, and I've asked people, you know, which do you prefer? And they're like, well, mallows are nice, but the squishables actually feel like they they stand up, like they have a quality. Like I can I can lay on them, and they're not going to lose their form and function or their stuffing or anything along those lines. So there's always a quality component that I think comes to Squishables that we don't see necessarily in the other brands that are following. In fact... Well, I, just, I'll just i say a Squish Malo, we sell those too, just mm-hmm. not as many because it's harder to get them. That's fair. They are the most popular brand, but I, I, well, I, I like the designs for Squishable much better, but... Um, but yeah, now everybody's chasing both of them. And mm-hmm. Squish Malo actually released some designs that people protest. They're like, were well, you just going to completely rip off Squishable now? And I yep. think it almost resulted in a lawsuit between the two companies. I think it was the Plague Doctor, actually, that, that caused the concern because all of a sudden, you know, Squishables did the Plague Doctor. It's one of their best sellers. Malo then did a very similar. Yeah. Product. And, and it almost resulted in a lawsuit. Then Squish Malo backed down off of that one. Um, it's just, it's, it's interesting how this can play out. Uh, John, I don't know if I had actually told you this or not, but we sell enough of these that I actually was asked to be on the Squishable Retailer Board, and I'm flying to New York next week. What? No. Or is it next week? It's the week after. This is what I'm talking I'm trying to run a podcast here, all right? I try and get everything put together. I try and get all the topics in, and then you just drop bombs in the middle of the, <laughs> the podcast. Yeah, they asked, they reached out to me. They're just like, hey, because you know me. I, I have opinions. Yeah. And I just would be like, you know, they'd, they'd send me an invoice and I'd say, hey, this invoice would work way better for us if it was formatted like this and it had the UPCs on it and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, we never thought about that. And they changed it and they made that addition. Or, you know, they set up a, a new billing system for me to pay with a credit card. And the way they sent it, set it up, it uses a, a NetSuite application, one of the biggest companies in the world. Cool. But it was sending... HTML files, oh. and the HTML files looked exactly like 
Um, we've been getting bombarded with these phishing attacks at the store. We've got our antivirus and our firewall and everything, and somehow these ones keep slipping through. And this NetSuite one that they sent looked exactly like the phishing attacks that are coming in. So, you know, I've had to have multiple conversations with staff to say, before you click on anything, look for these things. Like, you know, so just that basic internet awareness stuff, because these were these were pretty good looking phishing attacks too, but I was like, look for this, look for this, hold your mouse over this to see what the URL is and you yep. recognize it, that whole thing, right? Don't just click on stuff. And um, I said, this, these look exactly like phishing attacks. Could you please just send them as the PDF? I know NetSuite can do that. They're like, oh my gosh, we didn't realize that. And then they started sending them as PDFs. So they reached out, they're like, hey, you've given us so much so many good hints and adjustments over the years. Would you, we want to stand up this retailer board. Would you be willing to do that? And I'm like, sure, I'll help out. I just figured it's going to be a Zoom call or something. They're like, great, um, we're sending you plane tickets. We want you to come to New York and meet with some other store owners that we've asked to do this. And so uh, I think it's like May 9th and we're, they're flying us all to New York to sit down. We're going to meet with the designers. We're going to see a bunch of designs that they have not even released to the public yet. And then, um, then we're going to talk about just business related stuff of what's going on. And then um, a couple of, we're going to do dinner someplace, whatever they choose to do. And then a couple of us are actually going to try to catch a, a Broadway play that night. Something. I don't know. So I'm over here trying 80s to do. town maybe. That I'm, sounds cool. Yeah. I'm trying to do color commentary here. And then all of a sudden you introduce a new color to the rainbow. That's <laughs> basically what I'm hearing. But um, Wait, can I talk about a rainbow game? Sure, let's throw that in there. Why not? We're doing yeah, everything yeah, yeah. off the board now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Squishable, so Squishable, I love Squishables, right? And I, right. I've got a Squishable, right? I've got the Play Doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, but just a, as a segue for a rainbow game, um, one of the games I ordered, and I ordered 48 copies of it, which is a lot for the game store. We get four most of the time of new stuff coming out. Uh, rainbow Bunny Bop. Okay. Rainbow Bunny Bob is again. This is this is the next game for any of you that love Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. This is your next game. Uh, if you're a fan of TikTok and you have watched the board game development stuff on TikTok, you have probably seen Rainbow Bunny Bob in development because, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Jessica or Jenny? Jessica or Jenny? Well, she has done step by step of the whole, over like the last year and a half of the entire process of the game and prototyping and testing and revising and new prototypes and finding a finding a, a publishing partner and shipping and all the stuff that's gone on with making this game. So it's like the most detailed series that you could probably watch if, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll find her TikToks and we'll link them into the um, the show notes on this if we can. We can okay. do that, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. We have, we have show notes. We do. Okay, so I'll put it out there because the game is super cool. And I was talking with her. I went up to talk to her and I didn't even realize it was her. I watched her videos before, but it didn't click. She's like Red Raccoon Games. We talk on TikTok, and since Brittany was the one who always did the TikToks, I was like, what? Um, and she's like, I'm like, eh, maybe you talked with Brittany because I don't do the TikTok. She's like, oh okay. But she's like, I follow your brand on TikTok, but you haven't made any recently. I'm like, well, you know, Brittany, we're working on that. We're working, we're working on, on that. that. We're gonna bring TikTok back. Tick, uh, bringing bringing Taki back, and <laughs> we're gonna work on some branding. <laughs> this man, by the way, just delivered a whole entire seminar on branding. Yes, yes, just, yes. You just want that noted. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was bad. Um, anyway, her game is Dutch Blitz meets Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. So in Dutch Blitz. 
you have four piles in the table. Everybody has a random deck of cards. They're all shuffled up. And you have to put the cards in order from 1 up to 12 as fast as you can. Everybody's playing at the same time. First one gets rid of all their cards wins, right? Right. This one does is basically very similar to that game, but using the colors of the rainbow. So you got to put them in Roy G. Biv order. And this is going to be one of those kids that I tell, the one of those games that I tell kids, I'm like, you're going to beat your parents playing this game. Because kids are going to get the Roy G. Biv instantly and adults are going to struggle. And I just I think this is going to be a massive seller because I giggled. We played, I played five or six rounds while standing at her demo booth, and she let me do it because I kept grabbing other game store owners I knew walking by. Because <laughs> she just she's this is her first game ever. Little teeny tiny space. It is really no bigger than a a, a fourteen inch wide card table, or or um it looked more like a a, a TV tray TV yeah. table tray table whatever the hell you call those things. And I just kept grabbing game owners like, Travis, come play this. JD, come play with this, you know? And everybody was like, they play a one round or two rounds and we were having so much fun and everybody just kept writing orders. So she's letting me sell her stuff basically because I'm just like, you got to play this. This is going to be, this is going to sell big. And everybody just kept buying more copies of the game. That's fantastic. Yeah. I did that uh, uh, also with uh, Patrick is a guy that I met last year at the Gamma Trade Show. I'm, I'm segueing uh my ADD is going a little crazy, everybody. Yeah. I'm segueing it hard, but Patrick is this guy. He owns the Zulu Game Cafe in, it's just, he's just north of Seattle. It's like halfway between Seattle and Vancouver. And he was telling me he had just opened up his store in February of 2020. It was going to be a board <sighs> game cafe slash restaurant. And and he showed me pictures. His place is absolutely beautiful. It's, it's like a high-end restaurant. And also this massive board game wall as well. So you could eat really nice meal and everything. And then he got shut down with COVID because Seattle was like the first place that just got clobbered, right? Yep. And um, and then he pivoted. And his story is cool too because his son's best friend had started a Pokemon Twitch stream where he's live playing Pokemon, talking about Pokemon and cracking boxes and stuff. And so uh, the, the son's best friend approaches Patrick about, hey, would Zulu be interested in sponsoring my Twitch stream? And Patrick's like, sure. This guy blew up on Twitch. He's massive on Twitch, and the kid is still being loyal to Patrick for being his initial sponsor, and he's just selling tons of Pokemon stuff, pre-orders off this kid's um, channel. channel. So now he's back, and he's like, I wanted to do something creative. He's a huge painter, and he created, and I've got um, at the store the prototypes, they're milled aluminum paintbrushes. They feel amazing. And the, the tip unscrews like a really high-end pen, and you have interchangeable paint heads. So that you the, the paint head, if you wear it out, you can whatever size you want to put in there, or if you just wear one out, you can change out the paint heads and this really nice brush. And it just has this feel when you're holding on to it like, oh, yeah, this is great. Just like if you get that feeling if you're a fan of really nice, like, high-end pens. Yep. And I know there are people that collect. And my, my friend Tristan has a hundred. One of the signs that you have now turned into an adult is whenever you sign, like, with a pen on something, you're like, oh, this is a good pen. Yep. Like, oh, yeah. this is a great exactly. pen. This feels good. Yeah. Well, he's done that with paintbrushes. And so we're going to have those and get those ordered in the store, too. But I kept going, everybody, I'm grabbing people in the crowd like, hey, you're, you sell a lot of paint. JD, come over here. Talk to this guy. You know, hey, and by the end, Patrick, he was about to give me a hug. He's like, 
dude, I have written so many orders because of all the people you sent to you, so you sent over to me. Like, you make a good product, man. Yeah. Everybody deserves to have a good product. It's super cool. A milled aluminum painting handle that this pivoting painting handle. I got we got to do a video of it when we get these into the store because okay. they're so nice. Gotcha. We yeah. can do that for sure. So it's two people that. I ordered stuff from at the show that I think I also reroute at least a dozen other orders from them from other game store owners. So sadly, this brush and this game are not going to be in the stores yet. You are excited. You have ordered them. They are on their way. They're on their way. Let's talk about some stuff that we actually have in the store right now. Let's move on to the new hotness. New hotness. Now, the first thing I want to bring up and just pop in there is uh, an RPG based on a system that I love. Uh, It's called Apocalypse Keys. And... I have done a little bit of research on this game before. I'm, it's definitely going to get added in my collection of games that I probably buy but never get to play. Uh, <laughs> but it has one of my favorite systems of all time, which is called Powered by the Apocalypse. And Powered by the Apocalypse is definitely a rules-light RPG. It funds one of my favorite non-D&D RPGs of all time, City of Mist. And the concept that City of Mist... City of Mist used with the Powered by the Apocalypse system is, you know, you have these categories, you have, in these categories, you can put powers, you can put, like, your special abilities or things along those lines, and you can have, like, little traits in them that give you boosts to whenever you roll a die. So whenever you try and do something, you say, I'm going to use this trait, and I have, I'm going to use these elements of this trait to give me some bonuses to what I'm going to roll. The DM agrees or disagrees. Like if you're trying to climb a wall and you're like, well, I'm, you know, a a writer. So obviously I know how to climb walls. And you're like, no, that doesn't make sense. You're not going to get the bonus. So it's a lot of like, uh, almost bargaining with your DM about Mm -hmm. how you're one of using things. And it makes you feel very creative when he says, or she says, yeah, go with that simple D sixes. So you don't need a lot of complicated dice or trying to figure out what that is. Honestly, if people were to come into RPGs, I would never put them first in Dungeons and Dragons. I would start them with something with the Powered by the Apocalypse system. And Apocalypse Keys basically is you are a a monster almost, but you are a monster that's on the edge of the apocalypse, and you are trying to prevent it from happening. And there's so much more to it, I won't get into it now, but uh, it's definitely a system. It's a smaller book. It's a great concept, and I think that you could have a lot of fun building within that universe. When I played City of Mist, learning that system and learning how they used Powered by the Apocalypse... I created a My Hero Academia RPG based around it. I created a uh, Star Wars where we played a Sith uh, campaign around it. So it, there's a lot of flexibility, and it teaches you the the core mechanics of really being a role player. So this might be somebody's, you know, their City of Mist and their introduction to it. So that's cool. Highly I recommend. I know you're a huge fan of City of Mist. I am, and I but maybe we we'll it like see apocalypse, apocalypse Keys for free RPG Day, which is on June 24th. We can definitely do that. Yes, let's yeah. talk about that. So I'm I'm looking forward to. I want to get a, on the table Distilled, and Distilled was a Kickstarter game that we missed, that I didn't find. I missed it somehow. I didn't find out about it in time, so we didn't back it as Kickstarter. But now at the retail release is out. And it's exactly what it sounds like. You are making distilled spirits, right? Mm-hmm. And as part of the game, so it's definitely a resource management game. There's a little bit of set collection in the, in the game as well because you have to go out and buy the ingredients, buy the equipment, and then also hire or buy buying and hiring um, specialists to help you make the equipment that you have um, going on. Needed and to distill. To, to distill. And depending on the uh, equipment and the ingredients and stuff that you get, you end up with, 
you know, you could be making uh, bourbon or you could be making gin or it could be tequila or, or however. And there is also kind of an interesting mechanic that there's always a luck mechanic. So no matter, no matter how good your equipment and your ingredients are, stuff could still go bad. Or no matter how poor your equipment is, stuff could still go famously well at the same time. And there's an interesting mechanic in there, too, that if, if your uh, spirits don't come out quite exactly the way that you want, because there's a scale, but you can, of course, turn around and sell them to get money to make the next thing. Um, if they don't come out quite the way that you want it, you could choose to barrel age them because barrel aging hides most imperfections is what the game <laughs> talks about. And so it, it, it looks cool and the, and, and the components look really cool and I'm just interested in the whole mechanic that they created. It, it looks interesting and I, I want to check that one out. So this game about making alcohol and you know creating spirits is kind of a, a almost, I wouldn't say a one-for-one one opposite of another game that's on the shelf called Jerusalem, which you actually correct me in, but when I look at the box, it definitely looks like it says Jerusalem. And it is a game of both history and religion. And you were kind of describing this to me at one point in time, that there's an element of, there is some uh, religious elements of learning about that time period and, and what that would have been like at the time of you know Jesus being there, according to the Christian belief. But also, it's, it's a historical game. And there's elements to it that actually is recreating the, the lifestyle and, and how the, the city really would have worked at that time period. And this is a Jesse game, correct? He was one that was very much wanting to get this on the board with his history background. Well, and that's what he's the one I'm like, he's the one who brought it in specifically. And then it's actually been getting really good reviews at the same time. Yeah, I was corrected. I'm like, Jerusalem, that's interesting. He's like, no, Jerusalem. Uh, so it looks like a J, but it's actually an I as the first letter, which is apparently the original historical name. I don't. I didn't know anything about it. I had never even heard anything regarding the game at all. But he was, yeah, he was really interested in the game. So Jesse's um, background is he has his degree in anthropology, and he was really interested in it because the way that it was reading the reviews coming in, you could really appreciate the game for its religious aspects, or you could appreciate it for its historical aspects because. Um, Jerusalem is, uh, is absolutely a crossroads of the world and has been and so many major events in human history have happened there and whether, you know, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And so looking at the game from that aspect of what's going on in this, this super important trading city that, and uh, all the major religions of the world are all based out of there. And, you know, it's really interesting. So I don't know much more about it other than um, it's it's been selling pretty consistently. Jesse was super excited about it. And um, it's getting really good reviews online, but I have not had a chance to play it. Speaking of games with very good hype, there is 5-Minute Dungeon that is also back in stock, correct? Oh, yes. Finally, Spin Master lost the license. Uh, the 5-Minute Dungeon is literally a game that you use a timer on your phone. And it's supposed to take 5 minutes. And how much can you get done in 5 minutes? And um, it was it came out in 2017. It was nominated for Spiel de Jahres. It was, and then all of a sudden it disappeared and nobody could figure out what was going on. Spin Master bought it. Spin Master is a big publishing company. And this is my opinion, but uh, Spin Master, what I would say they're most famous for is taking a really good game and making the components so cheap that they could lower the price on a game and shove it into every big box store in America. 
And so when you some of those games you see the Spin Master brand, you're like, oh, that was a good game, and they've just completely destroyed it. Like Santorini is another perfect example. Santorini came out, won all these awards. They took it and made the pieces so cheap that it felt like that they were going to break it any moment. Lowered the price point to sell it on mass market, and they, they took away all the quality from the original game. And they absolutely had done that with 5-Minute Dungeon. But because it was up for awards, we were getting asked all the time, Where's 5-Minute Dungeon? How come you can't get it? What's going on? And it was because um, Spin Master had it, and they were basically selling it all to big box stores and not allowing it into specialty game stores like us. Now, um, uh, it's back. It's different publishing house, different distribution, and they're taking an all-new approach. They want to put things into game stores. That's where they want it to be because they know that game stores are going to be able to explain the game. Right. And make it even more successful because the game had basically died under Spin Master's control. Now we're super stoked to have it back because it really is a solid game. There's a first expansion that came out for it as well. And then they're taking the same engine and they made Five Minute Mysteries. And and some people are saying they like Five Minute Mysteries even more than the dungeon crawl aspect because Five Minute Mysteries, you have five minutes to completely unravel a a unique uh, mystery, including solving a cryptex and the whole nine yards looks pretty cool i'm super stoked on this one if you can't tell so one of the things that's on the shelf that i found somewhat interesting and i was hoping for some clarification uh tapestry was a game that came out a while back that Uh really did a good job however there's something on the new hotness that is just a white envelope it looks like with the tapestry logo in front of it what is that i have no idea okay great (laughs) i'm glad that i brought it up on the podcast so that we can figure Uh, that out well it just came in and i saw it when i was working there yesterday morning but then I got busy helping a customer, and um, I didn't get a chance to really look into it to see what it was. I think it's an expansion, um, and I hate saying I don't know what it is, but I really don't know what it is. And I, and I did not mean to set you up that way, but let's face it. You have a lot of stuff that's always coming in, and the amount of knowledge that you have for Pokemon names alone, not only the amount of games that are in your store, is usually very impressive. So. It's I not, think it's a new. I think it's the new expansion, Fantasies and Futures, and it says parallel universes are abundant in the world of Tapestry. Fantasies and Futures expansion gives players the opportunity to build civs using fantasy and sci-fi instead of the traditional kind of stuff. So, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's uh, uh yeah, but I, I, until I just looked it up, I didn't know. Yep. And I was gonna look it up yesterday too, and then it got dropped on me that um. Our mutual friend, Zach, I thought I was just going over to help him teach board games at um, Metcalf Junior High yesterday for that he was having a, a board game club kind of day. No, he, he's like, hey, just so you know, um, that conversation we had, I, I signed you up and you're teaching RP, uh, Dungeons & Dragons to four new players who've never played it before. And, and you're like, like, I hire people to do this. I was what like, are you what? doing? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's like, I told you that some kids want to play Dungeons and Dragons. I'm like, yeah, you told me that, but you didn't say, and I volunteered you to teach them. You forgot the rest of the phrase there, Zach. Because Zach's ADD is worse than mine. So, obviously, you had a good time. Uh, oh, I did. So, great. if you are a fan of Tapestry and you're like, oh, well, what is this envelope? You can come into the shop and find out. What might yes. be a good reason this week to come in to the shop and check that out? What's going on this week? You're going to be gone for part of it. You're going to New York? Next week. Next week. Next week. This week, um, you know, right now, this is the run-up. This next weekend is the first farmer's market down on the square. So Saturday 
is going to be phenomenal. I love the number of people who get out to support the local farmers and everything. I mean, you everybody knows that I'm a massive fan of just food in yes. general. And so I'll be down there buying whatever fresh veggies I can get. Kelly and I love this time of year when the farmer's market starts and you can just get nonstop fresh veggies all the time. I truly believe one of the reasons your relationship works is because food is one of your love languages and Kelly just knows how to make that good. She, she rocks it out of the park. So that's probably the big thing coming up is um, is, is we're, we're bracing, we're getting everything ready for farmer's market. We just, it's been a busy um, period of time because like last night there was a private party. Today there's a birthday party for Pokemon. Um, there's been stuff going on every night of every week. They just announced the downtown concert series for the summer. So there's four concerts going to be downtown. So we're getting ready for that. Still working on the building. 10 second update. The elevator has arrived. <gasps> the elevator has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not aware, the elevator has been the sticking point of nearly the entire process that yes. we believe that might actually delay quite a bit the store opening. And well, the elevator has arrived. Now they're going to look at see when they can put us on the list to get a schedule. I didn't realize they didn't do that part. And they, they didn't even schedule us until because we didn't know where the elevator was now the elevator's here now we have to get on the schedule and once we get on the schedule then it's going to take a couple weeks to install so the elevator's still screwing stuff up it was supposed to be installed april 15th supposed to be done listeners if you can just as part of your daily manifestations make this happen for us this would be fantastic (laughs) just believe the store is going to be ready for open when we really want it to yeah there's so many things coming up i mean june um May's farmer's market stuff. There's not really any massive product releases coming up for May. I think we're going to partner with Bob's Bay Books for Where's Waldo Adventure, like hunting for Where's Waldo. Which he was he was kind of hard to find in the game store because he blends in with a lot of games. Very well. And uh, we also were partnering with Bob's Bay. This is kind of cool. They want to do a horror novel con, horror book con. Okay. And we're going to do that in the new space in October. Fantastic. So that's Again, cool. we'll be talking a little bit more about what we have plans for, like the new store and the Patreon. Uh, Steampunk event the happening the first weekend of July of uh, June. So Cogs and Course at Steampunk events the first weekend of June. Lord of the Rings uh, Magic the Gathering crossover June sixteenth. New Pokemon sets coming in June. Every time, every uh, time we have a podcast, there's, there's a, a Pokemon new set. set it's every out. two weeks. Um, and then free RPG day, June 24th. So May is kind of looking a little bit calm, just our normal everyday events that we do. And you can always see that event calendar at redraccoongames.com. Click on events. Mm-hmm. Um, but June looks like it's going to be absolutely crazy. I'm so, so excited for ni- next year when we're inside the new shop and we have the farmer's market going on. And you're right on that corner and able yeah. to just welcome people in. It's yeah. going to be fantastic. It's going to be it's going to be a ride. So uh, with that, that is our episode. Uh, again, we were going to have some Patreon-exclusive content. If you want to listen to Jamie talk about some of the other games and events that he was able to go to at Gamma, as well as hear about some of the plans that we have for new things that we want to do when we have the new space, uh, stick around. Go to patreon.com, look for Red Raccoon Games. I think it's only $5 a month that you have mm-hmm. to put in, and you could be listening to a little bit more content if you're enjoying what you're listening to, as well as supporting the store and some of the advancements that we're trying to do with it i'd like to thank staff uh jamie for joining me today and if you want your chance to talk about your tabletop with us uh 
come and find us at Red Raccoon Games, as well as any of the other gameologists that are located down in, in downtown Bloomington, Illinois. You can always shoot us an email to info at redraccoongames.com, yep. two C's and two O's, and put podcast in the heading, and we will um, answer your questions or and probably give you a shout-out in the next episode. We'd love something that's uh, not just how we, we need to do some. We, we'd want to hear content that you guys care about, especially now that we're doing some more Patreon-exclusive stuff. What do you want to hear? What do you want us to talk about? What do you like? What do you not like? Um, we, we really want, especially with the new store, for the podcast to be something that can be a supplement to all the amazing stuff that's going on over there. So please tell us how we can do better. We want to do better. Uh, and with that... Uh, I want to give a, a thank you to Jillian Mesner for the use of our theme music. And until next time, keep playing. Thank you, everybody. 